Do you have a passion or dream to start a business but don't know how? Training solutions can teach you the foundations you need to make the dream work. Whether you are starting, maintaining, or growing a business, Training Solutions provides you with the tools every organization needs. No matter what stage your business is in, everyone can use advice from an expert who knows business and can help guide you through the landmines. Training Solutions will help you hone the skills you have, identify the skills you need to grow, put ideas into perspective, and most importantly, help you uncover personal barriers that may be restricting growth. For just $100, Training Solutions offers a one and a half hour consultation that will give you a plan of action you can use immediately. Visit trainingsolutions-hlc.com for more information. Are you ready to get clear on what your brand is, stand out from the crowd, attract your dream clients, and increase sales? Martha Christina Garza is a luxury brand strategist and marketing expert based in Brooklyn, New York. Martha helps visionary six- and seven-figure entrepreneurs find clarity, focus, and direction to expand their brand, revenue, and impact. If you are looking to build a strong brand foundation to scale faster, brand strategy is the way to get there. Martha will help you connect and convert the right clients to take your business to the next level. Visit www.marthagarza.com. That's www.marthagarza.com. Use the code Mike to get 50% off your first session. You know, I, I was in a, a bad relationship and I think that that's, that is the reason that a lot of shitty stuff happens to us in life is we just get, we position ourselves around people that we don't need to be around. Yeah. And um, that was kind of me at that point. It wasn't really that the people were bad people. It, they were just not good people for me. And um, I, I was broke. I was dependent on um financially on a relationship. I didn't like how that felt. When you brown bag, like what was your most common food item that you had? Or what was the, what was the composite of the stuff? You mean in the bag, like what was the lunch? Yeah, what'd your mom or dad or no one send you with? So if I, if I brought lunch, it was usually, majority of time it would be either a peanut butter and jelly sandwich yeah. or, or an egg salad. And I, I would say egg salad too. And yeah. It smells. Oh my God. You open the bag and it's like everybody no. looks at you. Everyone's <laughs> like, you're an idiot. And you know, I, it always used to really annoy me that my mom would never cut on a diagonal. I always, I'm like, just can you please cut on. Everybody else has a diagonal cut. I, and I get the straight cut. <laughs> and you just so look, important. you just look so uncool. <laughs> yeah, it is. The vertical cut was. I had the vertical cut too, just the fat little wedge, the fat little yeah. rectangles. Yeah. Oh, it was awful. The other thing I feel like that I, I always made my lunch. I don't think my mom ever made my lunch. I had really even in grade school. Yeah, I don't think. I what a hard. I can't upper. remember. Yeah, I don't. Kelsey I only remember was, making my own lunches. Like Kelsey was the fourth child. There was yeah. nobody making her lunches. They were over it by then. <laughs> I, yeah. I know, I know this is like. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, this is off topic, but this is just reminding me of uh, one thing that I always did. I got yelled at by my mom because she would say, I was only allowed to have chocolate milk once a week, right? And I distinctly remember being in eighth grade. I was in eighth grade and I was drinking <laughs> white milk and everybody at the table was drinking chocolate milk and they're all making fun of me. And they were like, why aren't you drinking chocolate milk? And I was like, my mom told me I can only have it once a week. <laughs> And they're like, she dude, she's not here. And I was like, eighth grade? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 
And I was like, you're right. What the heck? I've been drinking regular milk when I can be having chocolate milk. Uh, <laughs> so eighth grade is when you're Italian and milk. Yeah. That's it's awesome. funny. He put his foot down. Oh, God. That's so funny. This. What did your mom make, Mike? So uh, there was always a fruit snack. So it was an apple already sliced. Oh, that's sometimes fancy. an orange already peeled. Mm-hmm. Wow. Whoa. Uh, wow. Uh, then there would be a sandwich, which was usually peanut butter and jelly or maybe turkey or something. And then uh, the treat snack would be like one cookie or uh, one of those like little nutrition bars or whatever. And then the drink would be a thermos. It's always a thermos of something, which was usually probably orange juice. I never had a thermos. But okay, said this is the important box. part. Was it a metal lunchbox with the metal? Well, it's young, young, it was a metal lunchbox. Which, yeah. Which All the way till eighth grade when I took out my <laughs> milk. My friend's like, why aren't you eating chocolate milk or drinking chocolate milk? And I'm like, what? Oh, that's like, so funny, Jerry. My mom that wants me to do it once a week. And I'm like, yeah. you can do it anytime you want. Do it even. You are so integral. Like, I'm not allowed I, to have I tried. chocolate I know, I tried. milk. Well, I mean, hey, I was doing she gave me money for school. So I figured I could at least respect her one milk, you know, but here's the other yeah. thing that I just remembered. I just remembered this. I had a Pee Wee Herman lunch, bo- uh, a lunch box and a thermos. And I was too young at the time to understand, but then he masturbated in a movie theater and my <laughs> mom refused <laughs> to let me take it to school. And I was so upset. And I was like, why not mom? Why? And she's like, I'll tell you when you're older. <laughs> And I was like oh so upset and distraught. That is hysterical. Mike, we were grown ass people when we found out that he masturbated. I know. In yeah, I know, I know. And that was Jeremy was still was going funny, to school with the, with the lunchbox. Oh my God, that's hysterical. Well, this, this I think is perfect timing for therapy and go figure. That's who I'm interviewing. Um, Casey Compton is a therapist who has applied her entrepreneurial skills skills to the therapy industry, but you'll find out a lot more businesses. This is a story of how you go from struggling to, you know, I think it was 6.5 million plus in 10 years. That's not it. All right. We're live. Did you dress up for me a little bit? Who, me? Yeah. No, no. I'm talking to nobody. I'm talking to you. Of course. I did. I washed my hair. I put some makeup on. When's the last time you drank a bourbon? Like, I, I, I want to understand, like, how serious you are about it. Listen, I just want to tell you, I thought about you the other night because I was out with one of my friends. She came to New Albany, Indiana from Missouri. Huh? And it was great because we got together and we're getting ready to do some fix this next stuff. And so we went to this local bar called the Earl. And um, I told the bartender, I said, I want to try bourbon I've never tried before. And he's like, okay, what kind do you like? And I said, well, you know, I sort of like a rye, but I want it neat. So just surprise me. And he brought down this bottle of an old Forester. And I can't remember exactly what, which kind it was, but he said, here's two options. This one's for the girls and this one's for the real men. <laughs> and so I was like, well, of course I want the one for the real men. Yeah. And, and, I, and I want the one for the girls. By the way. <laughs> Mike's the one for the girls, but I drank it and it was amazing. If you yeah. like bananas or pancakes, it yeah. tastes like pancakes with bananas on top. Oh of it. my gosh. It was the best bourbon. It was so good. 
So good. I was like, Mike would actually like this because it's just girly enough. (laughs) (laughs) I, um, yeah, I've had now a few bourbons neat. Um, and it was really totally inspired by you. Oh, I hope because your glass full of ice cubes with bourbon, you can't do that. That's illegal. That's illegal. Can't do that. Yeah. Well, I'm from the North. It's, it's legit up here, but you know, in the, in the puritanical arena, uh, yeah, I know it's not, it's not legit, but you, you really persuaded me. Now, honestly, I maybe have a bourbon. Well, I was on break. I was doing a lot more, but now maybe once a week, once or two weeks. How often do you honestly? Yeah, I don't drink it that much. Yeah, that's I, what I assumed. No, you, you can't do that stuff every day. It's just like, it's like a treat, you know, it's like a nice little it's celebration. Like a treat. Yeah. Yeah. Because the next morning when I wake up, uh, I'm hungover. And I don't care if I don't even feel the effects when I'm drinking the next day. It's like, I slept like shit. I feel foggy. foggy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get a headache. It, that's bourbon. It's what it does to me too. So how many, you own a hair salon or you still do? I do. I can see it right there. I didn't. What? <laughs> yeah. So you own a hair salon. I got to look at this now. A real estate. These, these are things I didn't know. A real estate company. Yeah. The healthcare group practice I knew, consulting yeah. firm. How, so you you own four active businesses right now? Well, sort of, uh, yes. Sort of probably more like five. We have another one that's launching on February 14th, but but you, you've never asked. So you would have no reason to know. Well, because you're not a blabbermouth like me. I just talk. Don't, you, you, did, you, you withheld critical information here. So, so yeah. let's go through the bis- list of businesses you have. You got hair salon. What, like, what, what do you do at the hair salon? And how many people work there? Are, are you involved in that business? No, 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 I'm not. It's really more like, uh, like a real estate, you know, so I rent space. I bought a property that had a hair, had a hair salon on it, but it was pretty crappy. So I just renovated the whole thing, set up all new booths, did all that, and then just rent the space to the, the stylist. But we added a component that you can't really get anywhere else is since I already have a consulting company, um, we do all of their social media content for the, the people that rent the booth we do all of their marketing stuff for them we help promote their businesses so we kind of help in both in both ways there okay so you're making money on rent uh, i guess i share maybe in some of the revenue generate yeah yeah and you also charge them for their marketing so you're a one-stop shop yeah it's just all built in it's all built into the into the rent yeah mental uh mental health group practice that is substantial. Give, mm-hmm. give me some of the details on this business. Yeah. So we have about, I think we have around 80 employees right now. We're getting ready to gear up. Um, I think we have, we're trying to hire about 42 more in the first half of the year. So uh, we'll have over a hundred, probably more like 125. And we provide services in 19 counties throughout the state My of Kentucky. God. Yeah. And we have nine physical locations and we're getting ready to add some more. So it's been a, that one, that one has been a whirlwind. That one's been fun. Uh, so you got all these businesses and um, what's your function in each of these companies? Um, yeah. So I'm most involved in the consulting business, obviously, okay. you know, 
that, that that's the one that I, I spend most of my time in. Um, the mental health practice, I designed that to run without me. So I, I, I really do nothing in that one whatsoever. I'm just kind of here for moral support and um, let's come up with some creative ideas that's going to set us apart from some of the other places in the state. And so that's what I do there. Hair salon, I don't do anything. Real estate company, I don't do anything. Um, it's all pretty self-sufficient and that's how I like it. You've achieved what uh, I think so few, so many people want and so few ever even even have a taste of, which is to own a business, but not have the business depend upon them whatsoever. So what I'm hearing is with your uh, mental health care group, that's now going to surpass a hundred plus employees that if you don't show up for a few months, a few years, I don't know, a few years, does it just keep on creating cash and serving the community? It does. I mean, I, I literally do nothing. I, I, I do nothing, but you know, I'm involved because I love it. Um, I refer to it in a lot of ways as my laboratory. You know, I get to, I get to test new ideas in it. Yeah. I get to try out new systems. I get to automate new processes in there and see if it works before I take it out to anyone else and say, Hey, do this, you know, cause I'm not going to tell someone to do something that I haven't done or that I know that I don't, that I'm not confident that's going to, help, you know, help them in some substantial way. So it's, it serves that purpose very well. We get to help people. And so it's just kind of a, it's kind of win-win. And I've always been one of these people, even as a mom, I don't want my kids to need me and, and I want them to want me, but I don't want them. I don't want them to need me. And I get a lot of satisfaction whenever people can be independent. And when I can see my employees come up with their own ideas and solve their own problems and see how excited they get and why should I get in the way of that? You know, they they don't need me. They just, they choose me. They choose to be here. And that's kind of the relationship I have with them. It's, um, I have a lot of respect for them. I can imagine, but do they have respect for you? Do they feel that you've abandoned them? You know, you take all of the money, they do all the work. They're like, go home. (laughs) They're telling you to go home. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that I don't have to show up to the actual building to work every day. I do because I like that kind of connection with my team. Yeah. And and I think it's just a, I think if you ask any of them, they would say that we have a good, healthy relationship and they respect me and they know that they need me for the big things and they don't need me for the everyday things and that they have the ability to make decisions and and fulfill their own, you know, inner purpose on their own without me telling them how and when and why all the time. How old are you now? I'm 37. 37. No, no, I'm 36. I'm 36. I'll be 37. In 10 years. (laughs) Yeah. That's a future point. You're 30, you're 36. Have have you, be honest with me, have you achieved when you were younger in your twenties or teens I mean, haven't you checked off every single box on the dream list? Like, almost. Have you achieved, as almost. Of, as of July 19th, yes. What happened July 19th? Nothing yet. July 19th of this oh, year. Oh, the upcoming. What, oh, what's the release of the book? Yeah. And you got the author checked off. Yep. Okay. So, here's, I, it's funny. I was just talking with, uh, a few weeks ago, I talked with the guy. Uh, actually, when this broadcasts, it'll be a few months back, but a guy named Jeff Walker, he's a big internet marketer. Mm-hmm. And um, I asked him a question. I'm like, Oh, have you achieved all your dreams? He's like, I, I've checked them all off. And I go, how did that feel that day you put the final check in? He's like, it was a pretty shitty day. I'm like, 
I, that makes no sense to me. He's like, there's this question that comes about, is this, is this all there is? I mean, are, are you starting to experience that? You're, you're 36 and you've done it all. No, no, I wouldn't say that. I don't, I don't feel like that, that checklist is finite, you know, to okay. me, it's just, it's always changing. It's always growing. And it, I just have a different level of confidence now that I used to have. And, um, and, and I think that maybe that's why the author thing was at the bottom of my checklist is because now it doesn't have to stop, you know, now it mm-hmm. can go to talk about something else, you know, another thing about business that I'm passionate about. And, and it wasn't until recently, actually with the help of AJ that, and Laura, um, that I was, it, like, I had this epiphany about myself as an author. I always yeah. knew I wanted to write, but like, what was I going to sound like? And what was I going to write about? And, 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 you know, was I going to be the bro dude, the Jersey boy, frat boy, business guru guy? I was ready one that exists. I'm sorry. Who would want to do that? Yeah, no. He sounds like a real tool. Probably drinks girly drinks too. Probably does. Um, <laughs> but so, I, you know, that kind of came to be. And then now I have this whole other level of just, like, I'm itching so bad to just get started at this. I can't even tell you. It, it, it's it's unreal how I feel about this next, whatever you want to call it, journey or yeah. whatever. Oh, yeah. I can only envision, I can only imagine how successful you're going to be as an author to devote yourself to this because you have this freelance energy. But I want to first rewind. I want to go back to single mom, no businesses, um, you know, just down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, when was that period of your life? How long ago was that? And how do you turn it around like you did? That was in my early 20s. I mean, okay doesn't really feel like that long ago now. That's not, that's like that's 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Probably about 11, 12. Okay. That, that isn't long ago. No, no. And so what was going on then? You know, I, I was in a, a bad relationship and I think that that's, that is the reason that a lot of shitty stuff happens to us in life is we just get, we position ourselves around people that we don't need to be around. Yeah. And um, that was kind of me at that point. It wasn't really that the people were bad people. It, they were just not good people for me. And um, I, I was broke. I was dependent on um, financially on a relationship. I didn't like how that felt. Mm. Um, it was a person. So you can imagine how that would feel, you know, like yeah. I need $20. I got to eat lunch today. That kind of thing. It was terrible. Um did that person almost use that as like a, a way to yeah, keep you, sure. thumb you sure. down? Yeah. yeah, for sure. And so I, I didn't really have a lot of, I, I knew that I had the potential to do whatever I wanted to do, but I just knew the steps that I was going to have to take to get there were going to be awful. You know, I was really going to have to just get in the thick of it. Um, and I, as crazy as it sounds, I can't remember what it's called. I'm sure you know, but I was sitting in church one day and I was literally at my breaking point. I was like, something's got to change. I, I've had yeah. it. Like I give up. I've tried everything. It's not working. I, I'm just sucking at life. And um, the pastor was talking about the the five, you know, the five people that you, you're the culmination of the five, the five people that are immediately around you. Yes. And I was thinking on my fingers, like who I'm around. And I thought, oh, I'm screwed. 
I've got to stop. <laughs> I've got to find new people. Yeah. And 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 I live in a really small town in the middle of nowhere. So yeah. I had to start thinking outside of my bubble and just believing that there was a world out there that I hadn't tapped into yet. And um just started joining online communities and meeting people and supporting one another, people that were doing the things that I wanted to do. Mm. And reading books, because that was all I could afford. I was so broke. I had to file bankruptcy. I couldn't even like I couldn't even pay somebody to teach me something. I was just buying books. I was going to the library. I was reading books. And I was just trying to immerse myself in a, a world that I really didn't even know at that point. So you were, what kind of books? Like self-help? No, it was all business. I, I remember Cashflow Quadrant and Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yes. Those were the first books I ever read. And I was like, I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm doing this. I'm not gonna not gonna be at anyone else's mercy anymore. If I'm gonna suck at life, it's because I'm gonna suck at life, not because, you know, I'm an employee somewhere or somebody else has control over me that I can't that I can't help. And so, okay, so you what about these relationships, the five people around you? Uh, you had to make at some point a decision to remove those relationships and initiate new ones beyond yeah. books, uh, beyond online. How, how do you get out of how do you get out of these historical relationships that are not serving you? I just got out, you know, like, I mean, I just did. I stopped hanging out with the, I stopped going with them to eat and stopped going out on the weekends and stopped doing all those things. And I started going to church and um, I just tried to find people in my community that were some, some people that I could look up to. And that's actually how I met my husband is, is by doing that. And, and he's really been so supportive. He was big on just, you can do whatever you want. I believe you, you just mm. you know, <laughs> like, you can do it. And he had no idea what I was trying to do, but he was like, you can do this. You've got this. You need to stay at work longer. Go ahead. It's okay. I'll take care of everything. So that was, that was a big turning point. So it sounds like you in, start inserting yourself in a new community books online. You actually start getting out physically and the people are there uh, because that's the community you're inserting yourself in. And then you start building relationships. Uh, you, you meet your husband this way. Um, when did you start the first business? Like when did you go out all out in the first business? So my, I went, I'd always tinkered in businesses, okay. but never really just said, all right, I'm doing this. And I started my first business after my, uh, my middle child, her name's Lennon. She's six now. Um, I had a very high risk pregnancy with her. It was really scary. Um, I had to be put on flat, like absolute flat bed rest at 20 mm. weeks with her. Oh. Yeah. And um, he, so I was an employee at that time and I lost my job because I couldn't work and telehealth wasn't really a thing then. And um it was bad. And, and my husband, you know, he has a high school diploma. Like he didn't, he doesn't have a degree. He didn't have a big fancy job. He worked at, he had to get a job at a call center selling credit cards of all things. And then he would leave the job at the credit or the credit card place to go work at a, an Italian restaurant and serve pizza mm. for tips to help just keep us going. And this um, is six years ago, seven years ago. Yeah. Wow. I mean, we lost everything. I mean, yeah. everything. We had nothing. And um, I had a, you know, like I almost told this story in the book and I just did it because I think it's going to be its own thing. But um, 
you know, I had nothing. The only thing I did have was time and I had a lot of time to think and a lot of time to plan. And so mm-hmm. for four or five months there, that's just what I did. And then after I had the baby, went back to work, got settled a little bit and said, all right, I'm, I'm doing it. And I went from that first year, um, starting that first business, which wasn't even a full year. I think we grossed like $334,000. Next year, it was like $1.2 million and then $3 million. And then we just kept, I mean, just kept going and going and going. And here we are. What was your, what's your businesses today, the collective revenue? Do you? Um, last time I checked, we were at about six and a half. Six and a half million dollars in revenue this year. Uh, but I, I would say we're pretty close. My yeah. God. So, yes. And that's six and within six years to, to have that trajectory. It's unbelievable. Um, you then decide to become an author. Uh, you know, you and I connected and uh, you're writing Fix This Next. I know you're actually you're already working on more books. You have this, this, has this always been in you, this relentless drive? I thought I had drive. Like you go blowing by me as I'm sipping on my girly drink and the little umbrella goes flying out. Um, have you always had this drive? When I have clarity, when I have clarity on where I'm going, yes, you you won't stop me. Um, it's just, I find myself, I'll, I'll slow down when I'm not really clear on the vision over. Okay. Yeah. So no, I mean, I think that I've always had this personality. I'm not, I think I've told you before, I'm not a half-asser. So if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to go all out doing it. Mm-hmm. But it, sometimes it takes me a little longer to figure out what it is I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. So when you have clarity on what you're going to do, what are the parameters? Is it is it the the actual technical plan of the business? Is a vision of how it'll be a service to others? Like what, what's the driving things you have to have in place for you to have this racing forward drive? Yeah. So now it's it's really just about it's just about fulfilling a, a higher level of purpose, really. Mm. I mean, because I, I don't know. I always hate it when people say it's not about the money because you do. I do believe profitability has to be number one in anything that you're doing, or else don't do it. Um, but at this point in my life, I'm doing things one that I want to do for whatever reason. You know, if I want to do it. Um, two, if I can help others, and um, I'm just ready to kind of, I'm just ready to help. I'm just ready to do something in, yeah. in, in this world and just help people. And I think that, um, what if, what if I wouldn't have got out of that five people? What if I wouldn't have had the confidence or actually didn't even have the confidence? What if I didn't just do it and, uh, where would I be and how many other people feel like that? And how, how many other people are just waiting till they feel like the time is right or till they have all of the plan in place before they start. And what are we missing out on as a result of that? Because people aren't confident enough to just move forward and, and put their ideas out in this world. So Casey, do you, do you see the, the him and hers out there that are stuck with that wrong five? Yeah. Yeah. And are, are they, the word's not salvageable, but can you save them or they have to save themselves before you can serve them? How's that work? That's a good question. I mean, I think a lot of it is definitely wrapped up in your mindset. And so that's something we should all 
have have people in our lives, whether it's therapy or life coach or whatever you want to do to to help challenge you. But for me, I think the best way to figure it out, even if you have an idea and you're just not sure, is just to do it. And and whenever I was thinking about confidence and when I was laying there in the bed on bed rest all day long by myself, um, I didn't believe in myself. Like, I mean, I kind of did. Like, I thought, yeah, I can do this. But I had no proof that I could do it. Mm. I never done it before. Um, and so I just had to do it. And I just had to tell myself that I'm going to figure it out. And really, a business is just a bunch of problem solving. and just let's just problem solve. We're going to figure it out. It's going to be okay. We're going to make it work. And really after that, that's kind of how I run all businesses now. I'm not afraid of it, but if I'm trying to decide whether or not I'm going to do it, I first look on the profitability. Is this profitable? How much effort am I going to have to put into this? And um, what am I going to get out of it? And then what kind of difference is it going to make? Mm, I love that. Can you do it without proof? Can you commit to doing it without proof? Because the proof comes after, obviously. It finds you. It, you know, it's like mm. that confidence thing. You can't wait till you feel confident to, to go. You just have to go. And then the confidence catches up to you. So tell me about Fix This Next for healthcare providers. What is your intention with this book? So when I started to write this book, it will, this is the first book I've ever written. First derivative book I've ever First, written. but definitely not the last. <laughs> definitely not the last. It was so fun to write. But as I sat down, trying to figure out an outline for the yeah. thing. You know, I didn't want to just copy yours. Not that, you know, there would be anything like that, but I knew that healthcare providers were looking at this a little differently than yeah. the average person. And so um, when I started thinking about what, what Fix This Next means for this industry, I just kept coming back to time. You know, um, that's the one thing we can never get enough of. It's the one thing we're always battling. It's the one thing we just can't seem to satisfy the need for. And as business owners, we say all of the time, I don't have time. I don't have time for that. I wish I could do this. I can't. I don't have time. I don't have time. And um, for me, the the fix this next system helps people get their time back. Mm. Because think of how many how many times we take a to-do list, you know, and we're like writing it all down. We're trying to figure out, oh, gosh, I got all this stuff to do. And we get it all done every single day. And then tomorrow, we just get a whole nother list. It never ends. It never goes away. And it's just a battle that people fight on, on how to know what to do and when to do it. And so that's what I did with this, is I wanted to give people their time back and and how I was going to do that was teaching them how to identify the core the core needs in their practice and how to make that into a diagnosis and treat it just like they would a patient. Why did you write for healthcare providers? You could have done it for, you know, hair salons, mm-hmm. done it for business consultancies, could done it for bourbon drinkers. <laughs> why, yeah. why healthcare? Uh, yeah, why, why healthcare providers? Two reasons. So healthcare providers... I'm I, honestly, I believe that especially therapists are the best suited to be entrepreneurs as, as anybody could be. 
Um, because so much of running and operating and troubleshooting a business is just like treating a patient. Mm. And we think that they're two separate things. And so we think that we have to have an MBA to be a successful healthcare practice owner when it's really not true. We think we have to learn two skill sets, but we don't. We diagnose uh, patients just like we should diagnose our business. We, we, it, there's so many parallels. So that's that's the first and main reason. But the second reason is because um, healthcare providers are just, they try so hard. They are the ones out here in all of these Facebook groups and all these communities asking like, how should I do this? Or how should I structure this? Or how should I implement profit first? Or, you know, mm-hmm. they are so, they're, I, I call them, um, Uh, content hoarders. They love content. They love to read. They love just self-development. And I mean, they're just such a good, they're just such a good audience to, to be able to teach this to. I assume that's the nature of their professional upbringing that you get as much education as possible, but there's always new discovery, always new learning. So you're constantly learning. Um, And I also assume that you know, kind of like they call, they call it the cobbler's kids. You know, the cobbler can make shoes for everyone else, but when it comes to their own children, it's the last one to focus on. I presume it's a similar scenario. They can they can dole out all this knowledge and support other people, but they don't support themselves. Um, and, and I also believe because they're they're starting the process, they're doing the process themselves, the one on one. It's hard to move from doing to operating and then ultimately owning, like you have. Mm-hmm. Is there a kind of a mind shift that needs to happen to get you? out of that business from the the doing aspect? Yeah. Yeah. So, so many times people, I'm speaking of therapists, you know, I'm like, you're running this business like a therapist. (laughs) You know, you need to run this business like a business owner. Yes. There are times you got to take that hat off and you got to look at it Mm. as profitability here. Like that is what, that is the goal. We are trying to shoot for profitability. And I think that it's hard. And the, the battle that I have fought over the last couple of years with healthcare providers it's getting them to see it that way. But I'll tell you how I finally got it to click was, you know, they all want to say that the goal of their business is to help people. Well, it's not. It's it's profit. It's to, it's to make money. Um, but the purpose of their business is to help people. And you cannot achieve that purpose without first achieving that goal. And so there is um, there's a whole chapter about that in the book and how you structure that and how you frame that out mentally. And um, I think once you can latch onto that, it doesn't feel so yucky, you know, like we're we're helping people here. We shouldn't be making money off of people's trouble. Yeah. And that is that's the block. I can totally see that. Yeah. You know, it's greed. You're taking advantage of others. Yeah. So. Is there a practical step to get out of that mindset to, to actually convince myself that profit is more than a necessity? It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a there's an awesome quote, and I can't remember what it is right now, but it you know it's basically talking about um, profitability. The difference between running a business um, with or without profitability makes you either a business or a charity. You, may mm. have, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, um, but. I think what happens is if if they can't make that shift just on their own and to see that the goal has to be profitability in order to serve a higher purpose, they're going to figure it out the hard way because they're they're not going to be able to pay their bills. They're going to be struggling. They're going to be working their honeys off and they're still not going to be making a dent in 
any of that to-do list, or they're going to be just flying through that to-do list every single day, and they're still going to be broke. And then, and then they start to see it. And then they're like, oh man, I'm tired. I'm neglecting my family. I've missed kindergarten graduation. Yeah. You know, my kids forgot what I look like. I have gray hair and wrinkles now and I'm broke. And so they'll get it. They'll get it eventually. I think it's just trying to save people from that nasty process. Yeah. But then that, it, I'm wondering if it's almost necessary. And, and I wonder if that nasty process though, may come too late. I mean, for you, it happened in your early twenties and you're laying flat in the you know, the bed, uh, you, you had that moment at church, like you had some defining moments that you took action upon. Cause I think it was, it sounds like it was so traumatic, you know, for the therapist who's sitting there and it's like, Oh gosh, I'm just exhausted every day, but this is, I'm, I'm, I can't pay my bills. Like they're, they're kind of in that purgatory. Yeah. Is there a way if you're in that state to get through it or, or do you have to hit the wall to finally wake up? You have to hit the wall. I think, I think you have to get involved with something with other people that are also either trying to get there or have already gotten there. You've got to be able, you cannot run this kind of business in isolation. It doesn't work. And it it shouldn't because there's so many ways to get help out there. And even if you're struggling financially and you can't afford to pay for help, there's so many free resources online and communities for people that really just need extra support or need somebody to bounce questions off of, like, should I have independent contractors or should I hire employees? You know, just things like that are super easy to get answered. And I I think that people just have to feel secure enough to say, hey, I need a little support. And I wonder if a wake up call too is projecting the future. I mean, that's what you said, shared you were doing. Like, what if I stayed in this relationship with this circle of five, where am I going to end up? And it sounds like you're like, Oh shit, this is not good. I wonder if uh, therapists, any business owner can do the same thing. Is like, if I continue this path, yeah. you know, instead of waiting for two more years and I hit the wall, if I continue this path, I know in two years I'm going to hit the wall. I wonder if that, do you think that's visceral enough for them to say, I will change? For some people, I do. Yeah, for some. Some people, they're just going to have, they're just going to have to hit, you know, they just, you know, they just got to hit themselves in the head over and over and over before they realize that there is a better way. And, you know, I have a friend that I was joking with her the other day. I was like, Tara, you just keep hitting your head against the wall over and over and over. When are you going to say, man, this hurts. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to stop this. Yeah. So, yeah, I think some people, for the majority of people, I don't think they need to go through that process. I mean, if you have a bookkeeper or a CPA or an accountant, ask them, say, hey, look at these numbers. If I, if, if I don't change anything, what's this going to look like next year? Give me a projection. What can I expect to see? Yeah, you know, kind of equates it to smokers. Uh, I equate it to smokers is there's the most assured way to stop smoking is to actually die from smoking. You'll never smoke again that day. Um, the second way is to have a heart attack, some traumatic event that wakes you up. And the third way is to look at it, the, all the pictures of the, the blackened lungs to know the path you're on. And, and uh, sadly, for some, we choose to die, others, the heart attack. But I think more and more look at the trajectory that they're on and make that change. Yeah. T- tell me, hey, tell me about the, on that dark note, um, tell me about <laughs> your future books. What are you going to be writing next? Okay. So, um, the next book that I want to write will be, I developed this program called Systemizer School, 
And yeah. it's it's basically the way that we scaled this business, consulting business, every business. And it's similar in a lot of ways to your clockwork. Like, I mean, it's the same idea. The process looks a lot different. Um, so I'm really excited to do that. We've ran that now. We've had two um, beta programs of two groups of 30 go through this program. So I'm just collecting a bunch of data right now. Actually, I think you're going to be on a Q&A for that one um, in a couple of days. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so that one's a big one I'm really excited about. And then I do want to write uh, another one called The Laundry Basket Baby. And it's it's that bed rest story where we were so broke and had to come home and our baby slept in a laundry basket at the side of the bed. Cause that's all we had. Wow. And it, you know, just how to, um, how to, how to formulate a business from literally nothing. I mean, yeah. I had to borrow $600 to start my now multi-million dollar practice. It, I didn't even have it. All I needed was $600 and I didn't have it. Oh my God, it's unbelievable. Particularly service-based businesses, how little money is required to start one up. As long as you have the effort and drive. I'll tell you, every person I've introduced you to, I, you know, I, I get feedback from, I'm not like, you know, spying on you. It's always the same. She's the best fucking student, Mike. Like, I wish you were that good. She's got so much drive, Mike. I wish you were that good. I almost <laughs> don't want to introduce you because um, I do, because I'm so impressed by you and you're doing such good things for our planet and our world. And I love you. Um, <laughs> conversely, you, I like to be the best student in the class. I well, want to be the valedictorian. And you're, you're winning. It. No. You're winning. AJ is like, oh my God, I wish you could just perform like Casey does. Just so you know. Well, I appreciate that. And and I try really hard and I pride myself really hard on being a good student because, good. you know, those opportunities are valuable to me. And why would I want to waste those? I'm going to learn every single thing I can from AJ. I'm going to learn every single thing I can from the little marketing magician and um, every single other person that you introduced me to, because that's how I become better. Yeah. And Yeah. You're, well, you're doing an extraordinary job of it and, and you're getting the word out and you're serving so many people. I can't wait to see where you are 10 years from now. It's funny. A lot of people say, oh, in 10 years, you're going to be a massive success. Like you are a massive success, like by all definitions, all definitions. I can't wait to see the monumental shift you're causing or you're going to bring about on this planet. So thank you for what you're doing. Well, thank you. I mean, I'm really honest to God. I don't know that I would be exactly where I am right now if it weren't for you, because your book, uh, profit first, I mean, it changed everything for me. Thank so, you for saying that. I guess I owe you. <laughs> okay. Well share 10% of all your profits going forward. That's all I say. All right, my friend, um, one of these days we'll actually drink bourbon face to face once, you know, the COVID pandemic's over and stuff. Right. Well, but in the meantime, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. So there, there was Casey Compton in her thirties. I mean, just a whirlwind of energy and commitment and devotion and passion, purpose. What do you guys think? I love her. I love her. I mean, I thought like that in and of itself is so inspiring. The fact that she's 36 and it's basically been within the last six years that she's built up this empire, this conglomerate of businesses. Um, And she does it in such an integral way and in service to everybody who utilizes her businesses, but also all of her employees. It's just super beautiful. 
smart too. I liked how, um, so with the salon, she, she's kind of hands off, but then she makes sure that she handles the social media and marketing for them. So Mm -hmm. she's taking care of her other, she's taking care of business in that sense. So that just everything she did. And it was just really mind blowing how much she has accomplished already and how much she tackles, which how much she has to tackle daily in order to run these businesses so well. It's amazing. Yeah. And I love when she said that she's driven when she has clarity around what she wants oh, to right. do. Right. I think that's such a like important thing to hear because it's easy to get down on ourselves when we feel like we're not driven. But if you're not motivated towards something that you're really passionate about or really have a clear direction, even if you're not passionate about it, it's, it's hard to be driven. And it's hard to sometimes find that thing. Yeah. So it's that nice really, to hear. It is nice. And that spoke to me too. Somebody called me lazy once and it was so hurtful. I mean, mm-hmm. it like pierced me to my core. And the person who called me lazy, um, because I feel that way about myself too, when I know what it is that I would like to create, oh my gosh, I don't stop for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. I don't get hungry. I just, I go, I go. And I love that, that momentum and that passion. Um, but often it's artistic things that are my visions. So the person who called me that was very business minded and business focused. And, um, I assume I look lazy compared to, to them. It was like, a, I just love that she said that. It's sort of like highlighted for me about how important it is to have that passion, that, that picture basically to help you feel the passion. I thought it was fascinating was, uh, I think it was a turning moment for her was when she's lying flat in her back, she's pregnant uh, and she's on bed rest. And so she says, this is, maybe not the exact words she said to herself, but this is time to think and plan. Like you, regardless of the circumstances around you, she, you had the opportunity to think and plan. She was working diligently on her business when she couldn't move. I think that's how she always is, is when she's inactive, she's highly active planning. And I, and I attribute that to a lot to the results that she's seen. Mm-hmm. Jeremy, anything you took from this? Oh yeah, two, two things that she said that I, that I really think that you know kind of go with with anybody who's running a business. Um, she said she's not going to tell someone to do something that she won't do or she hasn't done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so setting an example, and then she wants her employees to want her but not need her. So mm-hmm. she tries to make sure that they have the tools that they need and empowers them, but you know they don't have to have her in order to to run the business. And I, and I think the, even more than, than the time to think that the, perhaps the biggest defining her moment was when she said she's going to select the people she surrounds herself with, yeah. you know? And so she was surrounded by five people that were not serving her life's purpose. And it sounded like it was going to go down a path that she did not want for herself. So she actively decided who to be with and her husband included, right? And uh, I think the results speak for themselves. Yeah. And I, I think that's super true in general. Like think about the people who surround you. Obviously um, everybody is valuable and everybody brings you lessons, but there are some people who fuel you, who, you know, ignite a spark for you. And there are people who drain you. So try to be cognizant of that and 
very like intentional with how you spend your time with people. Yeah. I think like when I think about um, programs like you're in Vistage, Kelsey, I, I participated in EO for uh, almost two decades that these organizations are a way to intentionally surround ourselves with people that have maybe parallel visions to us, people that are perhaps playing at a better or higher level, whatever that's defined as in different elements where we're also playing at a higher level in a different element from them. And then it starts this collective elevation. I think it's really important. And the nice thing is like Casey pointed out, you don't have to join a paying organization to experience that. She just selected the people and, and started hanging out with them. Um, so it's available freely for you, but you have to make that hard decision, I think, to abandon or reduce your time with those other, you gotta, you know, you gotta make a cognitive cutoff to cognitively join. Yeah, definitely. That's the word, the use of cognitive inappropriately twice in a row. I, just to <laughs> <laughs> I also like how she made the, the, uh, distinguish between goal versus purpose. Yeah. Like, so your goal is to make money as a business, but your purpose can be the, to help these people, help people. And you're not going to be able to help these people until you reach your goal. So purpose comes after goal, which was, that was interesting. That's right. That's right. Jay Sloan, you got a little, uh, little game time for us. Yes, I do. All right. So this is a Southern trivia quiz. All right. Yeah. A little bit different. (laughs) And honestly, I some of the stuff I never heard of. I a lot of them were common, I thought, so I had to sift through and like really pick out the the ones that were different. But um and this relates because obviously she has a southern accent. I love it, it's great. So in the south, now I don't know which region this is, but this is just southern in general. What does the term finna F-I-N-N-A mean? Is it finishing something, preparing a meal? Or preparing to do something. Okay. Okay. When Southerners say Coke, what are they referring to? A root beer? Dr. Pepper? Birch beer? Or any soda? Okay. All right. Question three. What does might could mean? Tomorrow, later, maybe, or never? All right. How do you think you guys did? I want to say. Uh, yeah, sure. I'd say two out of three. Okay. I say one out of three. Okay. So the term finna, does it mean finishing something, preparing a meal? Or preparing to do something. I said preparing a meal. It just seemed the most specific. I said preparing to do something. I put finish. Oh, Amy, you got it. Preparing to do something. I, I have heard. family in the Ozarks. I think I've heard it before. I've never heard ah. that before. Yeah, what would be? Give me an example of a sentence with finna. Um, uh, I'm finna. To, I'm finna. To, um, get to market. Um. um like I'm, fi- it's almost like a combination of I'm figuring to, and uh, gonna. It's a verb. Oh, so it's plan. I got you. That makes sense. It's a, it's a combination of two words. Okay, gotcha. Well, I don't know if it really is, but that's like how I thought it'd be. I'm that's fixing, how I hear. I'm it. fixing to do something. It's perfect. That's yeah. I'm fixing to head out. You know, in a couple of hours. I think it's. A, I think it's like that. I think it's a like. 
a lot like that. Yeah, fix we it. were so lame. We were such Northerners. Like you think it's funny when someone's like, "Oh, you have a Southern accent." It's like, dude, you got a Northern accent. Oh, yeah. Listen to our accents. I don't really understand what the hell you're saying. <laughs> the, well, the, and even with the four of us in New Jersey, we could all have a slightly yeah. different. Yeah. Oh, I'm the I'm the southernmost one. Yeah. Can we talk about how uh, Jeremy keeps saying "our" like "our" as "our"? What? What are you talking like about? When you say like when you say rate say rate our podcast. Rate our podcast. Our, rate rate our, our podcast. podcast. Oh, yeah. I said rate our podcast. Yeah, rate oh, our, we yeah, say rate yeah, yeah. our podcast. You say rate rate our. Interesting. Podcast. Radar it sounds like radar. Okay, <laughs> let me ask you this. Radar. What do you call the item that you put your head on when you go to sleep? Pillow. pillow? Yeah, pillow. Okay. Pillow. <laughs> What's your? What do you say? A pillow. I, I say pillow. What were you expecting? Yeah, I, I used to say pillow. Pillow. Yeah. Wow. So like pillow, down, really? So in South Jersey, what? It's water. It's not water, right? Yeah. So I had to, water. I had to actively correct and say, learn to say water because everybody around here what says about, water. What about the surface of your house at the very top? What is that called? Oh, oh yeah. Northerners say. I say roof, but I like roof. a lot of people say roof. roof. Yeah. We say roof. Yeah. I say roof. roof. I do say water. I do with a D. W-A-D-E-R. I do too. I think. My wife's like, why? You can't pronounce it. I'm like, is it water? She's like, that's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't get that word right. Do you say route or route? It's funny. I switch it up. I yeah, notice if I say, I, I say route 46, but you take that route. Uh, route 23. Route 23. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. It's route 23, route yeah. 46. Route <laughs> All right. Okay. Here's the best one. What do you call the uh, thing in your car that cools the engine down? I don't know. You don't even know. You don't even know what that is. That was way too technical. Radiator, or radiator, radiator versus radiator. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah radiator. Radiator. That is hysterical yeah. about the rhythm really? because I didn't even realize you guys say it separately, and maybe I do too. For two <laughs> two highways, and one you call route, and one you call route. That's so well. Funny. Jerry Seinfeld did a in on joke. He's like you you ride in a taxi. But you don't ride in the train. You ride on the train. Yeah, yeah. that's true. And, yeah, and this whole thing like it yeah. makes no sense. It doesn't. Yeah, you park you in a choose. you park in a driveway and you drive on the parkway. Park there you yeah. go. I know. Crazy. Silly. And inflammable means the same as flammable. What's with this language? It's so crazy. <laughs> no. And you know what? I don't get like regardless and irregardless. I don't irregardless think it's the same. Irregardless it's isn't a word. Yeah. 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 I mean, I get corrected every time I use that. There was this. Guy would always be like, it's not a word, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so Regardless of it is, it exists. How did it get here? All right, what's the last one? We're we're on number two. We're on number two. Uh, what do Southerners mean by Coke? Is it root beer, Dr. Pepper, birch beer, or any soda? Any soda. Any soda. Any soda. Yes. However, I thought it was pop. Yeah, that's northern. Pop is, and it's like Midwestern ish. And I was going like to say, State, I know they call it pop. Arizona calls it pop. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. What do you guys call it? I just call it soda, right? Soda. So here yeah, it's soda. soda. To the Midwest, it's pop, I guess. And then in the South, it's Coke. It's so weird. You know what confuses people? We use seltzer up here. Yeah. Oh, instead of club soda or? Club soda. Or there's another word. Um, sparkling water. Sparkling well, water. well, there's yeah. a difference though. Uh, uh, one of them contains sodium. And I can't remember which one it is. Technically. <laughs> But if you ask for seltzer in some places, people are like, what's that? Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Like it's sparkling yeah. water. They mean, they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and it's the exact same thing. Yeah. Nice. Um, okay. 
What does might could mean? Does it mean tomorrow, later, maybe, or never? Maybe. 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 Yes. Yay! Might could have been maybe. (laughs) (laughs) It might could be. Might could be maybe. So uh, I got two. And we got three? I got three. I got two. Good job, Amy. Nice. I haven't had a... What is it called when you win all three? Threesome. (laughs) No. No, no. That's not it. Irregardless. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't had a win all three in a while. That's what I was trying. Oh, is that what you call in the north? Win all three. Win all three. <laughs> Trifecta. I'm pretty sure that's not what you were looking. Trifecta. Trifecta. That was even worse. That was the worst. Um. So Amy had to win all three. <laughs> we hope. We hope this was a great episode for you too. Hey, um, why don't you go to rate our podcast? Oh, you are rateourpodcast.com. Honestly, it's to serve us. If you go there and read the show right now and give us a review, because it's feedback that we can use to improve the show, plus it spreads the word. And make sure you subscribe. I don't want you missing a single episode. I hope you don't want to miss a single episode. I'd love to hear any questions you have. Jeremy and I do a behind-the-mic episode every so often where we investigate the questions that are coming in and discuss some kind of tangential stuff. So send your question in to askmike at mikemichalowitz.com right now. And we're done. That's a good point, tangential. You say, I think I say tangential. I don't use that word. Transgental? I, do <laughs> I, I, I use the word tangerine. I, I say tangerine. Transgental. Gentle. Oh, gentle. Transgental? Tan. Transgental. Transgental? Transgental? Transgental. Transgental. Wait a minute. Are we saying transcendental? No, we're saying no. tangential. Tangential. Mike said it tangential. Tangential. Transgental is when you're gentle across. You're gentle across the ocean. It's tangential is the proper pronunciation. (laughs) Transgental. From the south. (laughs) I said the northern pronunciation. Oh, Lordy. All right, can we leave now? <laughs> yeah. Don't you want to be with us, Mike? You don't want to leave us. <laughs> Amy's, you and your your three winner. <laughs> Amy's face labia is making a move over there. <laughs> That's a... Uh, that We have to sh- share that with our listeners one day, what, how she told us of the face labial issues. We, I mean, we have it on video, too. We have it on video. Oh, you got to say, yeah, you got to say Labial that. folds, people. Labial <laughs> folds. But it's not. <laughs> It's the term is not labial. <laughs> we have to <laughs> mark this podcast explicit. <laughs> Maybe it is labial fold. <laughs> is it yes. facial labial fold? Yes. So it's yeah. not labia, it's labia. Oh, that's what she was saying labia fold. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she was labial. saying labia. I think, she was I think saying labia. You guys just didn't hear me right. You, oh, yeah. you, <laughs> you shouted it. And I was screaming it and spitting yeah. it in your faces. <laughs> oh. Interestingly, just for the share, I want to show you what a face labia looks like. Oh, That's no. the picture. There we go. Okay. <laughs> so See? you're totally right. And that is what you work the Oreo down to yeah. win the cookie Who's in the mouth. Yeah, but it says superior labial, facial labial, inferior labial. Interesting. All right, let's get out of here. We're really like, messing up people. We're not going to have a single, single subscriber. I don't even want to ask for a review right now. <laughs> don't ask for a review. 
All right, let's get out of here. All right, guys. Bye, everybody. Bye. Wishing you good times. Wishing you great times. Do you have a passion or dream to start a business but don't know how? Training solutions can teach you the foundations you need to make the dream work. Whether you are starting, maintaining, or growing a business, Training Solutions provides you with the tools every organization needs. No matter what stage your business is in, everyone can use advice from an expert who knows business and can help guide you through the landmines. Training Solutions will help you hone the skills you have, identify the skills you need to grow, put ideas into perspective, and most importantly, help you uncover personal barriers that may be restricting growth. For just $100, Training Solutions offers a a one-and-a-half-hour consultation that will give you a plan of action you can use immediately. Visit trainingsolutions-hlc.com for more information. Are you ready to get clear on what your brand is, stand out from the crowd, attract your dream clients, and increase sales? Martha Christina Garza is a luxury brand strategist and marketing expert based in Brooklyn, New York. Martha helps visionary six- and seven-figure entrepreneurs find clarity, focus, and direction to expand their brand, revenue, and impact. If you are looking to build a strong brand foundation to scale faster, brand strategy is the way to get there. Martha will help you connect and convert the right clients to take your business to the next level. Visit www.marthagarza.com. That's www.marthagarza.com. Use the code MIKE to get 50% off your first session.